Whisper Nation, we're back. The draft has happened, and we're talking about all these rookies that are really interesting, where they landed, and what it's going to mean for fantasy football right here on the Fantasy Whispers. It's Monday, May 6th, and you're listening to the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Travi. And I'm Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on, Chelsea? What's going on, Whisper Nation? So excited to be here recording back in the lab with my favorite peeps. We got a fun show today, Travis and and Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, we had to take last week off because the draft was just so exciting. We had to break down a lot of these rookies, where they're going. And really what we want this show to do for you guys is you take a look at these rookies, where they landed, and we're going to tell you these are the guys you got to watch in training camp, see what the stories are, what the beat writers are saying, because as we get news on these guys, we're really going to understand how we can plug in numbers, statistically project them out, and look at these guys' fantasy football outlook for the 2019 NFL season. But first, before we jump into today's episode, just a couple of shout-outs. One is a big shout out to Chase. He just wrote an article. We just put it up on our website, thefantasywhispers.com. He wrote a DFS article introducing you to DFS. It's a really awesome article. Uh, if, if you're interested in that, please go check that out. Again, that is at thefantasywhispers.com. You can, you can get it there. As well as if you're new to our channel or watching us or hearing this for the first time, Please subscribe to the Fantasy Whispers. We are putting out a ton of content all the time. We've got new videos coming out every week. So hit that like and that subscribe and the bell notification. You'll get notifications every time we put out new stuff. As well as check us out on any podcast platform. We are on it. and Our shows will always be up there. Always. Always and forever. All right. In perpetuity. <laughs> okay. We are going to jump into today's show We're going to talk about the number one overall pick first, Travis, because one, he was the number one one overall pick, and number two, there's probably not any more more hype on another individual player. Uh, Well, maybe the second player that we'll talk about today, but no one more hype than Kyler Murray going to the Arizona Cardinals at the number one overall pick. It was rumored for a long time that this was going to happen, uh, but it actually did. Finally, on draft night, we all were revealed at the final second, and I couldn't be more excited about Kyler Murray going to the Arizona Cardinals. Travis, this is a perfect system with a perfect head coach, with a perfect quarterback in that in that position. You look at what he's getting in the in the draft. The Arizona Cardinals drafted a ton of wide, uh, wide receivers or offensive weapons. You had Andy Andy Isabella, uh, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. No, not the Keyshawn Johnson from the '90s, but this guy is actually pretty good as well. And then they took uh, tight end Caleb Wilson, who actually will find his way on this roster with the uh, Mr. Irrelevant pick. But Travis, uh, what wide receiver would you target for Kyler Murray if you're drafting? Or what are your prospects on Kyler Murray coming up in the draft? Well, to answer your question quickly, I'm going to take Christian Kirk. He has the experience as a wide receiver in the NFL right off the bat. I'm really excited about his prospects this year another year under his belt in the NFL. And I think that we'll find he can he can overcome some of these new guys, at least for year one, and kind of rise above. 
But for me, um, Kyler Murray is more a story about David Johnson and what he's going to do for David Johnson's uh, outlook as a fantasy football player this year. I would love to say that Kyler Murray is going to set the earth on fire right now. I think it was an exciting fantasy football pick. But I think for me, you look back that in the 10 years uh, that we've seen a QB uh, as a rookie, there's only been five top 12 finishes in those years. We're talking about Dak Prescott, Andrew Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton. So uh, you could look at both sides of the coins here. You could say that he's not going to set the earth on fire because we've only had the five instances. Or you could look at those five instances and draw comparisons between those games and Kyler Murray's game, which is interesting to do because of the comp he's had with Russell Wilson, because of the comp of his legs. And, you know, we look at PFF doing their uh, pro football focus, doing their comparisons of these players, and they're tying um, a guy like Kyler Murray to the stats of Patrick Mahomes, of Baker Mayfield and I think he will similarly similarly be like Baker Mayfield where he's going to have the streamable weeks but he's not going to be that guy every week not in this first year in my opinion and I will just say this last quote uh, to China build into that hype from pro football focus it says Murray was the highest graded quarterback in college football this past season and we haven't seen a quarterback that is this dangerous with both his arm and his leg since Russell Wilson so once again the hype is real People are loving this guy, and if he buys in and, and gets this system right away, um, we could see some exciting things from him this year. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I We have a mock draft video that is going to be coming out. Secrecy, whisper, whisper. Kyle Murray might be coming off the board in that one, so I'm just, <laughs> just saying. All right. All right. We want to move along to probably – what who you know a lot of people in the industry have as the number one option for this rookie class as far as starting this fantasy year and that's Josh Jacobs out of the Oakland Raiders who was selected in the first round pick number 24 Travis we've broken down Josh Jacobs before now that we know where his landing spot and the unfortunate news about the crow going down and no, we're not giving away spoilers for Game of Thrones. We're talking about Isaiah Crowell going down in the backfield with a torn Achilles. They did bring in Doug Martin, but that's not really a concern. Doug Martin's kind of passed his prime about four or five years ago. Um, Travis, what is your outlook for Josh Jacobs? Where are you willing to take him in redraft leagues? He's going to start creeping up. Right now his ADP is about the sixth round. I could see it going up to the fourth, but do you have it even higher than that? Oh, I'm comfortable taking him in the fourth if it gets there because you have to look at a guy that uh, basically has had everything happen for him. He's had skill. Yes, it's been in a short experience, uh, short uh, extended time in the uh, college realm because of that committee at Alabama, but his big play potential is real. 41% of Jacobs' carries resulted in either a first down or a touchdown, and that was the highest rate in the nation last year. You couple that with the fact that, yes, Marshawn Lynch retired, Isaiah Crowell is out, and this line has been consistently decent over the last few years, so we know that there's opportunity there. He's going to be a guy that's there in the red zone. We They brought back Doug Martin, but Gruden has basically said that this is for a mentorship role, and I'm I'm going to tell you right now, I think that, Josh Jacobs will be used and used a ton in this system. You're looking at a team that was 25th in rush attempts. You know Gruden wants to get back to his bread and butter running the football. They are going to look to be physical this year and help out Derek Carr as much as they can by a consistent run game. 
So I'm excited about Josh Jacobs. I know that um, a lot of people are not buying into the hype, but we haven't seen, um, you know, this kind of situation line up as perfectly. You know, this doesn't always work this way. Usually there's guys ahead of these rookies. So he's coming into prime opportunity, and we know opportunity is everything in fantasy football. 100%. Just a couple of things I want to add on here. You look at his stature, 5'10", 216 pounds, perfect height and weight for a running back in today's NFL Another thing that is really interesting to me, he had uh, ele- he went 11 for 20 on the passing game last year for 247 yards and two additional touchdowns. So you're looking at a, a running back that can do it all, and I think that that's what John Gruden is looking for in his running back. So I can easily see 200 to 220 touches at least minimum for Josh Jacobs, and like you just said, you want the opportunities, give me those opportunities. And that offensive line is is pretty decent. Um, so I really love Josh Jacobs this year going into the draft and redraft and in dynasty leagues. Do you all think he could have a season like Saquon did as a rookie breakout? No. I no. I, there's Saquon just not enough just... lining up with that. You have Antonio Brown is still there. They did bring in Tyrell Williams. There are other options here, whereas Saquon tended to be because of the inefficiencies of Eli Manning and that line. Saquon needed to be the guy on every play that they dumped off to. So I just don't see it lining up opportunity wise, but he is going to get a ton of work this year. And, and, and the value that you can get him at, even into the fourth round is pretty good because I think he does have RB one potential. Speaking about value, the new England Patriots probably got some of the best value in the entire first round and drafting Nikhil Harry with the 32nd pick in the NFL draft, Travis, He's going to an offense that, let's face it, needs wide receivers and pass catchers. They've lost uh, Gronk. I mean, some could argue they lost Gronk about a year ago, Um, but now it's official. Gronk is gone. You've got them letting go of, um, you know, 7-11 over there. Chris Hogan is now with the Carolina Panthers. So the opportunities are definitely there. You also look at Nikhil Harry's game style, and it really fits well with what the New England Patriots do. You look at their game tape, they will take whatever the defense gives them. Well, with Nikhil Harry, he's so good after the catch, and that's where he's actually excels at. And if you look at what the the Patriots like to do is they like to put it into the hands of their pass catchers or their playmakers and let them do the work as opposed to letting Tom Brady sit back there, take the pressure on, get hit, and then hope that a play develops down the field. No, they're going to dink and dunk, and that's perfect for Nikhil Harry and his game style. I absolutely love Nikhil Harry, Travis, but what are you looking more specifically at when Nikhil, Nikhil Harry's stats and what he can bring to this offense? Yeah, so Harry was uh, a solid dude last year, like you said, breaking tackles, 38 broken tackles in his three seasons. I mean, that's incredible. Um, you're looking at a guy that, you know, really does well with his footwork, does well with his contested catch ability, does well with the back shoulder throw. Like, he works hard to get his yards, even though he's not the fastest guy, he's not as explosive. Um, that knock is on him, but who better to go to than the Patriots to work with the fundamentals and get you right and win in other ways. We're talking about a team that's going to get those short slant routes out to him. And I think the big thing was, is he's here to replace Gronk's big body in the red zone. However, we look at last year and it may have been due to necessity and due to injury with Gronk. 
but he wasn't even the leader in the red zone for the Patriots. It was James White with 22 red zone targets and then Edelman with 20. So those guys are still on the team. So I know the hype is there for Harry to get these touchdowns this year. I think it's going to take some time and I could actually see this developing and, and him being drafted a little too high this year by fantasy football players and that value not returning until next year or the year after. He's Wait. going to be a playmaker in the NFL. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. Who do you think is going to catch the touchdowns there? I was just saying James White and, and Julian Edelman are are their red zone leaders last year. Right. So it's, Okay, so well, I'm just because they drafted another running back there and you can't just think that James Washington or James White and Edelman are both going to get all the touchdowns. There's there's going to be five to eight touchdowns extra. I'm just looking at I'm just looking at numbers, Johnny, and last year 22 times and 20 times, so a total of 42 targets in the red zone were thrown to either Edelman or White. I think that they are tailoring this offense year after year more towards Brady's style, short, quick slants. I'm not saying he's not going to get red zone looks. I'm just saying it takes time for you to work up a depth chart in the NFL, especially on a team like the Patriots where Tom Brady trusts who he trusts. And right. uh, so I'm saying the but trust just... is shown in White and Edelman so far over the last couple of years with the decline of Gronk. I think I know what they were doing. You know, they're trying to replace Gronk's big body in the red zone. Don't get me wrong. I just I'm I'm hesitant to be drafting Harry as high as he's going and maybe take the value with a Julian Edelman. Yeah, well, I mean, I think once the draft comes around, Julian Edelman will start jumping up ahead of Nikhil Harry. But for me, you, you just talked about the draft or the you said the um the depth chart, but there is no depth chart ahead of Nikhil Harry. Like it is Nikhil Harry as the one the wide receiver one there. It's gonna sure, gonna yeah, step sure. Into that. On the depth chart, I'm talking about trust level with Tom Brady. Okay, I I agree to disagree on that. Then, um, all right, we're gonna move on to the next player here, and that's gonna be Miles Sanders, drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles in the second round, 53rd pick overall. Travis, uh, we both kind of predicted this in our rookie running back uh, show that we recorded a couple of weeks ago. We both thought that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles could be one of the potential landing spots. And I, I'm, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in this. Uh, that it, I mean, I, I like the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. I love that. I love the system. But we have yet to see Doug Peterson roll with one running back or give one running back the majority of the touches. You also have Jordan Howard there. You still have Corey Clement. You still might... How, did Sproles officially retire or no? I don't believe so. I think they're waiting. So it could be, you know, Sproles could be in there. You also have Wendell Smallwood. This is just shaping up to be one giant ugly mess for fantasy purposes. Taking a note out of Bill Belichick's book, it's Doug Peterson. And it just, it sucks because Miles Sanders is such a good player. We saw how explosive he was in college. We saw how uh, how well he can run the ball. And we even talked about how his name would probably be even bigger if he didn't follow in a guy's footsteps of Saquon Barkley. But you got to love the fact that he was born and raised in Philadelphia. He's, uh, you know, born and raised there, Philadelphia kid, and now he gets to play for his, you know, hometown team. It's got to be a little bit of added motivation. Travis, are you excited about Miles Sanders this next year in a redraft league? What about in a dynasty league? Yeah, right now I, I love Miles Sanders. Uh, I think the value is really great because of what you spoke about before. Yes, there's risk, but for me, the risk isn't in him being the guy they're going to do. The risk is if he 
continues to fumble like he did in this last year. He fumbled five times in 2018. That was one per every 44 carries. There are plenty of guys behind him that will do the work. Yeah. But right now, I think he's going to get the leash. You don't. You talk about Doug Peterson not liking one back as a certain you know bell cow back. He's also never drafted a guy in the second round before. So we're talking about Philly taking the time to or taking the the draft capital to pick this guy. They want to run with him. I think he's going to be their red zone guy. Is Howard going to come and poach a couple red zone opportunities? Probably. But where Sanders is compared to the other rookies like Josh Jacobs and a guy we'll talk about in David Montgomery, he's kind of the best value right now as those guys because he's sneaking down there because people are scared of the Philly system. I'm going to trust in the draft capital. I'm going to trust in his talent. And I'm going to take him probably before I take uh, Josh Jacobs. I'm probably going to wait and take a guy like Miles Sanders. Now, David Montgomery interests me. We'll talk about him later. But for me, if he cleans up the fumbles and stays on the field, I really like his prospects behind that line with Carson Wentz back fully. They've added some weapons in the in the receiving game, too, which helps in the opportunity department. So give me Miles Sanders, especially at his value in current ADP. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I I, I like that. That aspect I mean, right now he's going in the 12th. I think that obviously rises a bit a lot. Right. But, you know, he gets into the seventh, eighth, sixth. I'm I'm interested. I'm interested in a guy like Miles Sanders. Even in the sixth, seventh or eighth. Yeah. For sure. Wow, interesting. I don't. I don't know if I would pay that much draft capital for him, but especially with some of the other talent that's going around in those, I think I'm a little bit higher in those ones. But it'll be it'll be interesting because if he does get that Jay Ajayi role, I will say if he can get the Jay Ajayi role, then he will be fantasy relevant. But man, Jordan Howard is there, and he's in a in a in a contract year. But the nice thing here's what I will say: the nice thing about that pick is that the investment in Jordan Howard is not that significant. It was a fifth round pick. So there's not a lot of, you know, they have to use Jordan Howard in order to, um, because they, they gave up so much draft capital. They really don't. So, uh, that's, that'll be interesting there. So another interesting pick was McCole Hardman for the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, they picked him in the most, we are replacing Tyreek Hill move. They could have done. They take a guy who ran a four, three, three, 40, um, I understand why people love the McCole Hardman pick. I mean, this dude's fast. He's explosive. Uh, he's replacing Tyreek Hill. He's married with a guy like Pat Mahomes. I understand the hype fully. My concern is we're trying to compare him right off the bat to a guy of Tyreek Hill's talent. And Tyreek Hill's talent may have been once in a generation. Like we're looking at a guy, Johnny, can you name another player that you saw that looked faster on the field than Tyreek Hill? I mean, it looked like a video game, the way oh, yeah. he would run yeah, these routes. Well, and just so, some of, like, literally some of his catches did look video game-like. Like, when he's right. running across the middle, and he jumps uh, uh, higher than two defenders, and they both tap yeah. him on the same, like, that's literally Madden stuff, you know? Like, you right. get angry at that, because you're like, that would never happen in a game! What? <laughs> right, you exactly. Know? But he was doing so I don't. It. I don't know if it's fair to say, like, he's going to come in and have this effect, especially right in his first year. We know what rookie receivers, the numbers are there to say they're not super effective in their first First year, But what I think it does well is if you're looking at the Chiefs before the draft, you're saying, oh, Tyreek Hill's gone. Do we downgrade Mahomes a bit? Do we look at this and say, is Mahomes not the no doubt number one? Is he not the upside? You talk about touchdown regression. You talk about what this means for him and for other guys like Sammy Watkins or Travis Kelsey, who, you know, now more defensive focus can go on these guys with Tyreek Hill gone. 
Now with McColl Hardman here, I think that that kind of covers up a little bit of that. They'll, the defenses will have to continue to stay honest about those guys. But I will say I have a major concern with Hardman's game. His deep ball catch rate, uh, balls of 20 yards or more, was 33, 31.3%. That was ranked 119th in the nation. So he's going to be replacing some big shoes as that deep threat in this Chiefs offense. So he better come down with those balls. Yeah, so... Um... Originally, when that pick came out, it was there was a big oh, this is the perfect guy to replace Tyree Kill, and uh, I'll admit I was on that immediate reaction of like, oh, this is got this guy's going to be so good. But as I continue to dive in a little bit deeper, I have a lot of the same mm-hmm. feelings as you do, Travis. Is this guy going to really be able to take that jump, especially in his rookie year? And I don't see it. Uh, he's very, very raw. Essentially, the only thing that's similar between him and Tyree Kill is his size 5'10", and his speed 4'3", 3'. Uh, I mean, Tyree Kill's reportedly a little bit faster than that. But other than that, like you said, the, the deep ball is very concerning. And I actually think that this they might switch things up here, Travis. Uh, I think that Sammy Watkins will take over the role for uh, Tyree Kill because Sammy Watkins has the speed. We forget about that. Sammy Watkins, like, that was his number one thing coming out of college was his speed. And if you remember a few years ago when he actually was fantasy relevant, uh, he was a top five wide receiver, he was catching a ton of deep balls, and that's what made him so fantasy relevant and have these monster games. So I I do think it's Sammy Watkins. Another thing I think is kind of interesting here is uh, ourlads.com. Now, I... Don't don't uh, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how official this site is. So please don't uh, <laughs> jump on me if like people are like, oh, that's a, that's like terrible. But um, they have the depth chart for Kansas City up and it was updated on the third. And, you know, kind of crazy enough, they do not have Tyreek Hill listed at all as a wide receiver on their depth chart. Um, again, no official news about Tyreek Hill being dropped or suspended yet, but it is interesting. And then they actually have, uh, uh, Demarcus Robinson as the wide receiver two there behind Sammy Watkins. So I even think that he's a better value at this very point than, uh, Hardman is, uh, you, you'll see Hardman going because of, oh, this offense, Andy Reid's system, you can plug and play players. I do like that fact. But I would rather take a, a a stab at Robinson, who's been in this you know offense for a year, has played with uh, Patrick Mahomes, has actually had a couple of really good games with Patrick Mahomes, uh, including one in the playoffs. So I would probably look that way as opposed to drafting Hardman. Um, but maybe in a couple of years, Hardman can actually step up and be a fantasy relevant player. You know, you talk about the uh, that the Chiefs have dropped Tyreek Hill from that. And I honestly am not surprised. I think they demonstrated last year with the Kareem Hunt situation that this is a spot that you have to earn and you are deserving of nothing. And I think that only bodes well for players who have the opportunity to earn a higher spot. So it's all uh, sort of in transition, it seems, with the Chiefs. And it's really, I think it's really amazing to see that that Tyreek Hill, no matter what his... uh, the level of play he can bring to the field uh, that he's not somebody that the chiefs are willing to associate. And even in this sort of in between time that they're willing to drop him from the the sheet, I think it just bodes well for the rest of the the depth uh, on that team. So who knows uh, who will be willing to draft come August, yeah. um, but excited to see who it is. 
Yeah, we talk about the character built there by Andy Reid and the system that he builds. And one of the guys that comes from the Andy Reid tree is Matt Nagy. And what the Bears did in the draft here, moving on to our next player, is Matt Nagy and the Bears moved up 14 picks to grab a guy. They Even after they got rid of Jordan Howard and they spent money on Mike Davis, they moved up 14 picks to grab a guy in David Montgomery here. And this team only had five picks to begin with, Johnny. So they sacrificed yep. one of those picks to move up, ended up in the draft with only four picks. And one of those picks was David Montgomery. Now, in the last five years coming out of college, no one has had more missed tackles per touch than David Montgomery. He leads the nation with point three. not only in 2018. He also did that in 2017 as well, compared with guys like Saquon Barkley um, in that category. Nagy loves to point out that the similarities between the coaching styles of David Montgomery and Kareem Hunt, the physical running, the receiving skills that they have. We know that Nagy was there with Kareem Hunt in his rookie year. We know that's the kind of back he probably would love to use and deploy out there. Montgomery is one of the most exciting rookies to come out of this draft because of landing spot, because of opportunity. But Johnny, do you have any major concerns in Montgomery's game and his pairing with Chicago? Uh, no, I don't, I don't have any at all, actually. In fact, out of all the three running back rookies that we have talked about so far, I am the highest on David Montgomery, and that's including Josh Jacobs, because of what you just said. Matt Nagy, they traded up. They spent draft capital. Um, Matt Nagy, they want to use one running back. I mean, and the thing is that we what we have found out from Nagy is he's an honest coach which us as fantasy analytics people love because we know that what he's telling us is actually going to be true we we heard him hype up Tyreek Cohen last last year said he's you know going to be that x wide receiver that will move all over the field and guess what he was fantasy relevant and he stuck to his word now we're seeing him say David Montgomery is you know what we wanted from uh Kareem Hunt so I'm going to take him for his word because he's only shown us his word, and it's been truth. It's been bonds, okay? So I am very excited about David Montgomery. Talking about spending a 6th, 7th, or 8th on Miles Sanders, yeah, I'll skip that, and I'll take David Montgomery in any of those rounds over uh, Jacobs or— Take them both. You could take them both. Uh, I— uh, Taking two rookie running backs, I, I don't know if I would actually do that, but you could. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a bad strategy there. But for me, uh, you know, and then some people want to ask, okay, well, what does this mean by uh, for Tariq Cohen? Are you downgrading him? He is currently going in the fourth round of, of redraft leagues. I would lower that a little bit. I wouldn't take him in the fourth round. But I do still think that Cohen will have his value. I don't think that he'll go away. He was limited in his touches last year with Jordan Howard in the backfield, and he still was a top 20 running back. And, I, and so I, I I think that the both of them can be there. I just think that David Montgomery can actually do what Matt Nagy wants. We wanted from Jordan Howard last year. And so I, I think that they both can be very fantasy relevant in a Bears offense that moves the ball. Talking about moving the ball, Travis, we have DK Metcalf, being drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, second round, 64th overall pick. Travis, DK Metcalf is someone who can really move the ball with his speed. That was what set him you know, off at the combine. We talked about that. His uh, 40 speed, 40 time was just off the charts for a wide receiver his size. 
And Travis, the fact that, you know, the Doug Baldwin news came out where Doug Baldwin most likely has played his last down in the NFL, unfortunately due to injuries, a significant amount of injuries, DK Metcalf has the ability to step right into this offense. And word and news coming out of, uh, you know, Seattle already is that DK is actually more talented than what Seattle actually evaluated him at. Now, is that coach speak? Probably, I will say, because unlike Matt Nagy, who I just talked about, you can't really take uh, um, if that's anything that I've taken from fantasy and out of Seattle is like you can't really take Pete Carroll's word for anything. Uh, doesn't matter about yeah, what draft case capital. in point, uh, Rashad Penny. Exactly. Yeah, you burned me once. Shame on me. Uh, but uh, so. I do like the physical attributes of DK Metcalf. I like him pairing with Russell Wilson, but I have my concerns about how much they're throwing the ball. And I know that you do, Travis, you do as well. So you want to break into that a little bit more and break that down and why. Yeah, I think we have similar, similar takes on DK Metcalf. We both love his talent. We both uh, love the, you know, what he can bring to the table. I think the pairing is great for him. Like oh, to yeah. go to land in a spot where you're going to get Russell Wilson throwing you the ball consistently. Consistently, you're like, yes, I'll take that. My problem is, is Tyler Lockett was their big play guy last year. And we saw that with the amount of touchdowns that he caught. But they had to do that on high efficiency. Seattle was last in passing attempts, second to last in completions, and only averaged 193 passing yards per game. 193 is not enough to let everyone eat. And I think Tyler Lockett has the established rapport with Russell Wilson. He's got those years of playing with Russ. And with Doug Baldwin gone, you can bet that if you have to make every pass count in this offense, you're going to go to a guy you trust and that you know that you can get the job done. And we've already seen that there are some issues with DK's hands. At least they were in college. Maybe that has to do more with the the quarterback throwing in the ball. But we'll see what he does with contested catch. For me, I like this in a few years when when DK emerges as the guy for them. I can't take a chance on DK this year personally. Um, I just look at what they did as far as volume, and I don't think it's enough for him to eat consistently enough unless he's you know a super deep uh, flyer for you. But I think with the hype, the combine, that's not going to be possible this year. Don't underestimate. Like for me, I think that I would not be shocked if DK ended up with like eight to ten touchdowns this year but his yardage is low. Like he's got yeah. like 600, 700 yards receiving, but he's got like eight to 10 touchdowns. That would not surprise me at all. All right. What would surprise me though, is our next <laughs> wide receiver here, Marquise Brown, who was picked by the Baltimore Ravens in the first round, 25th overall pick. Travis, I would be shocked and I would be surprised if unfortunately uh, this You'd guy- be shocked? Yeah, I would be shocked. Uh, this is something I would be shocked about. If Marquise Brown was actually fantasy relevant this year, Travis, so you looked at last year going to the Baltimore Ravens. This couldn't have been a worse pick for me. Um, you look at the best wide receiver from week 12 on. So week 12 is when Lamar Jackson took over. John Brown was the best wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. And you know what? You know where he plays, Travis? Wide receiver 80. You want to know some of the guys that went that were better fantasy value than him Jordan Howard who doesn't catch balls he was ahead of him you had other guys let me let me just bring this up real quick because this is just going to prove my point of why this is just hideous okay Derrick Henry who doesn't catch balls had a better fantasy value from uh from a wide receiver standpoint this isn't even from just a running back standpoint 
You had uh, Kenyon Drake. I know I'm just listing off running backs, but that just goes to show how bad it is. Peyton Barber, Julian Edelman. So guys like this had better wide receiver days than uh, the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. And so for me, I am completely staying away from Marquise Brown this year, probably next year as well, because Lamar Jackson cannot throw. We've seen that. I don't care how hard you try to develop over one summer. You're not going to improve enough or show me enough on tape to where I'm going to want to be interested in Marquise Brown. But Travis, I know you have a little bit more stats to back up your your reasoning over mine. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, on it's a, it's it's in line with what you're saying, Johnny. I this was potentially my favorite wide receiver going to my least favorable spot um, because of what you talked about. We're talking about a guy in Lamar, and in those games, those eight games that he started, he only averaged 12 completions a game. So, you're talking about that targets being hideous. really short for a passing. I mean, we're talking about the best in the league getting 25 to 30 completions a game. And this is a guy that only got 12. So you're looking at his wide receivers averaging three to four targets a game. Uh, That's not a lot. But we look at what Marquise Brown was able to do. Hollywood Brown, as they call him, was able to break 17 tackles on 77 catches and scored 10 times in college. So we know he's electric on the field. We know he can play make it. So I'm really interested to see how they scheme. Uh, Marquise Brown into this offense with John Brown leaving with Michael Crabtree not there Marquise Brown looks to be the guy for Lamar Jackson to make plays down the field so can his playmaking ability be enough to save Lamar Jackson at times it's going to be hard in this first year it's going to be really hard in this first year but I'm interested to see what the beat writers are saying out of camp I'm interested to see those joint practices where he's up against NFL corners and what he can do because I think there is a lot of upside in Marquise Brown's game All right, speaking of upside, Travis, uh, Tyshawn Debo Samuel, second-round pick, uh, 36th overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers, probably, to me, has some of the most highest upside of any wide receiver that was drafted in uh, this NFL draft. He goes to a pass-catching-friendly system in the 49ers, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan system. We've seen... You know, very relevant fantasy options come out of this out of this uh, offense. Even with Jimmy G not being the starting quarterback, we've seen other quarterbacks step in, and we still have you know uh, Pettis was a, a nice wide receiver there. He was breaking out towards the end of the year. Uh, he's only five ten, but his attitude and mentality is that of a pit bull, which you gotta love. He's like a, a ferocious dog when he's on the field and he will do anything to try to beat his opponent and he should play in the slot which I really really like Uh, you've seen you know Kittle was playing a lot in the slot towards the end of last season and you saw what Kittle could do there Um, I really really like what Samuel could bring to this offense and I was watching tape of his red zone you know uh, he was running red zone drills in the senior bowl and Travis, this guy, no one could stay with him. He was juking guys left and right or drawing pass interference because he was juking guys so badly that all they could do was grab onto him to hold him down. You need, you know that the 49ers need that red zone target. So with him going to the slot as a potential slot guy, uh, I, I really like what Samuel could do, you know, in the future, maybe not so much in year one, but in the future, what are your thoughts on, on Debo? Are you, are you really excited for him? Are you not as well, high yeah, because I mean, of Kittle? 
it's it's hard to not be excited for him because of like you talked about how physical he is. He earned that Debo nickname, Debo Friday, uh, by being this physical guy. Un- unreal tackle breaker. He did so 21 times on 62 catches last year. 21 times. We just talked about Nikhil Harry breaking 38 tackles in his career in college, three-year career. So about 12 a game, a little over 12 a game. This guy did it, or 12 a year, sorry. Uh, this guy did 21 times. So he's physical. He's tough. He earned that nickname. But I'm just not sure that he can be the breadwinner in this offense with a guy like Kittle there who is already established. And it doesn't matter what quarterback you throw at Kittle. He's going to be an elite route runner. He's going to get open. And if he's open every time, it's hard for me to see Jimmy G going to somebody else uh, more consistently. But I will say this. I mean, I am interested to see what all these other weapons added in a full healthy year. Jimmy G does for Jimmy G's value. Like, are we going to see him finally step out? get a full season in and be the guy in this offense. Could he be a valuable later quarterback to take? He definitely, he definitely could be. That's a, uh, not a bad spot, which is why we always talk about you're able to take these. I know this is kind of getting off topic for a second, but you can take these stabs at, at quarterbacks because if you miss on them, like a Kyler Murray, you miss on drafting him and he doesn't pan out. You can, I do think Jimmy G will be a very good fantasy starter because of the additional weapons that they have and things like that and the system. So uh, I don't mind it. All right. Speaking of system, Travis, we have Paris Campbell going to the Indianapolis Colts in the second round, pick 59 overall. And there might not be a wide receiver that has fit into a system or gone to a system that is more suited for a specific player than Paris Campbell who goes to the Indianapolis Colts Travis and for me he gets to go to an offensive minded coach that is willing and able to move him around in the formations to get him the ball we've seen him we've seen him do it before with T.Y. Hilton last year uh and so he likes to get his his good wide receivers with these one-on-one matchups and favorable matchups. And you look at who his quarterback is, Andrew Luck, who has been a top five quarterback every single year that he has played an entire season. He's been a top five quarterback. So guess what you need when you're a quarterback in order to finish top five? You need receive your receivers to get a lot of receiving yards. So therefore, I put the two and two together. One plus one equals two for me, and that is Paris Campbell, and I will be drafting him. He's got great hands, 90 receptions for over 1,000 yards last year and 12 touchdowns, 6'1", 208 pounds. Perfect for uh, what they're looking for in Indianapolis. They don't have a touchdown guy. I mean, some people could say Ebron, but um, they need somebody else, an outside threat. And Pro Football Focus has him listed as uh, an instant starter. So you're looking at a guy that's going super deep in drafts, and I will have a lot of shares of Paris Campbell, that's for sure. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's definitely an electrifying slot stud for Ohio State last year. He had only 21 of his targets, however, came with 10 or more yards down the field. So that's a concern for me. Is he going to be, you know, a big enough of a deep threat to warrant that? But we know that Andrew Luck is very methodical. He can dink and duck his way down the field. So we know that there's a lot of value in a slot guy in this offense. I mean, they were hungry for receivers outside of Hilton and outside of Ebron last year. Yeah. So for me, you're looking at a guy, he had 79 receptions in the slot. That was fifth best in the nation. He also had 939 yards from the slot, which was also fifth best in the nation. And his 4-3-1-40 speed 
goes to that perfect situation in Indy. I'm excited about Paris Campbell. Probably more excited about this fit and his style of play than I am with guys like Nikhil Harry and DK Metcalf, who could take more time to develop because of other established guys there. Um, Campbell doesn't necessarily have that in his role. He is going to be their slot guy, um, and we can already see that carved out. He'll have a long leash to do so. So Campbell is very exciting, and his ADP continues to be a great value. I think it will uh, down the stretch as well. All right. Well, that wraps up the players that we are previewing for today. Chelsea, the one behind the glass. Do we mess up on anything? No, I mean, no, you guys are great. <laughs> um, I just was thinking about this whole episode and it's my first year ever playing in a dynasty league. Um, and, Ooh. you know, like I think rookies uh, in coming into the league, often we think of a most as like the threats they're going to pose to the more established guy, but maybe not legitimate players that we need to be looking at. But I'm playing in a dynasty league this year. And, you know, Chase's great article on daily fantasy sports also sort of prompted the realization that is focused on guys who aren't uh, the people who we readily think about. Yeah. Like there's so much opportunity with these rookie candidates coming out, even if it's not this year, but down the road. Mm. So trying to understand more deeply where these schemes are headed, how these players are going to grow and fit into the systems. It's really exciting to me. So I appreciate the last few weeks of breakdown that y'all have given. Cause yeah. uh, even if you're not playing in standard leagues that these, these guys have real opportunity in these other styles of, of league play. So I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. Uh, and I'm really excited to be digging into Dynasty sports this year. It's going to be a whole different game. And I think some of these rookie candidates are going to be guys that I've got my eyes on for sure. Yeah, Chelsea brings up a great point about having the long view on guys, seeing guys and where they're going to fit down the, you know, down the league. Obviously, you need to tailor your game and what you're taking all this information in based on the leagues that you play in. But we try to aim that the, the breakdown on these players has both the short-term and long-term value of these guys. And, you know, I love that she plugged the Dynasty Whispers there. We're getting that rocked and, and loaded. We're going through our first launch of a startup Dynasty League, and we are excited to bring you Whisper Nation into that. So be on the lookout for that. And as always, if you want to get any more of our content, Head to thefantasywhispers.com. I'm Big Travi. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. And for Chelsea, the woman behind the mirror and the glass and on top of the mountain under the stairs, uh, <laughs> the girl who lived, we're signing off. The Fantasy Whispers, we love you, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.